Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the CC Podcast Conversations. I got Andrew with me. How are you doing? Good, Matt. How are you? So we do this little sidekick thing before a lot of our interviews, an idea that I got from NRB, and people have responded well to it. So you enjoy it? I love it. I love it. It's good to dissect one of these beforehand. And and uh, like people have said, I think it provides a nice little introduction. So. so Andrew's our technical director, and he's the one who puts these podcasts together, produces them. And uh, so he listens to the whole thing, and so then we get a chance to kind of introduce it in a little format like this. So we've got Tyler Shaw coming up, an interview with a rodeo cowboy whose wife had cancer, who has a Down syndrome daughter. I just met her on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Sydney, great gal. And he's lost his mom in a car accident. Yep. His dad was in a coma. And uh, he's all through that been kind of growing in his faith and is at a point where he wants to be more intentional about leading and mentoring the young men who he helps with rodeo stuff spiritually. Yeah, and a, a legit cowboy, right? I mean, talks like a cowboy, acts like a cowboy. He's 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 the real deal, and that's, you know it's cool. Um, it's cool when you go through and you look at the roster of, of of who we've done these interviews with so far. Pretty tricky to find a more eclectic group than than what we've had so far, and. And that's awesome, right? I mean, that shows God works through literally everybody. Let's try to run through some of them. We've got an NFL player. We've got a convicted murderer. We've got a funeral director. What else? Uh huh. Uh, doctor. Um, your predecessor, my mom. Uh, yep. Uh, missionaries. Uh, we've got uh, a couple pastors who spoke at, at Bible conference. Uh, Michael W. Smith. Uh, just. It's, it is eclectic. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy group that you wouldn't you wouldn't normally throw together. A, Convicted murderer, funeral director, cowboy, and a uh, world-renowned singer-songwriter. So uh, when you were listening to this Tyler Shaw interview, yeah. uh, like I said, there's four or five elements to his story. Yeah. Like, which one stuck out to you the most, do you think? Or what do you? What was the you most know, poignant or it, memorable? To me, uh, sort of the, the package of all these things that are happening in his life. You know, obviously all of us have, have had uh, rough things happen. Uh, he had a bunch of really rough stuff happen all in a relatively condensed period of time. Uh, and the, the resilience there, um, and, and I think he would, he would credit this to, you know, the Holy spirit and, and to, to leaning into his faith and, and, you know, all of us, when we go through stuff, uh, you know, we have the choice to make, to, to let it cause us to grow or, or cause us to, to, to not, mm-hmm. um, and, and he's really grown uh, as a person and, and in his faith. And, um, you know, it's remarkable to, to hear his story and, and, and how, uh, how it's shaped him and, and shaped who he is now. What's crazy, and I don't remember if this is specifically told in the podcast or for his conversation we had around the interview, but Tyler had gotten to know this Edler kid that was a world champion, I believe, steer wrestler yeah. a couple years ago, which is a big deal. Yeah. And he's known him for a long time and kind of mentored him and coached him a little bit or whatever. And, uh, 
so this Edler kid has gotten to know Tyler's story. He said, Tyler, does anyone know your story? I mean, have you ever told it widely and broadly? Because people need to hear this. Yeah. He said, no, not really. And so the guy suggested to him, you need to find a podcast and tell your story. And so, you know, time goes by. Like we find out in the podcast, I met Tyler at the Dayton Rodeo. Yeah. I know his sister and brother-in-law, Jen and I, hang out with them a little bit. Dayton, Iowa. Dayton, Iowa. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so I meet him there, and I'm drilling him with questions about rodeo because I'm just curious. Who, you? Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't sound like you. And he's being patient with me. Yeah. And uh, so I come home, and out of nowhere, this idea comes in my mind. I think it's from the Lord, like, you should interview Tyler Shaw for the podcast. And my first thought was like, What? That doesn't make sense. I yeah. mean, he wouldn't be interested. Yeah. Know. And then it came back to me a couple more times. I ran it past Amy and Troy and uh, sent him an invitation. And he said, it's crazy because I've yeah. been thinking about doing something like this yeah. for a while. And so uh, it's, yeah. it's like maybe the Lord orchestrated this whole thing. Yeah. No, I loved it. Uh, I also loved, he talks about how kind of uh, he was brought up in the church, but, you know, called himself a back row Catholic and, and said, you know, he, he didn't didn't really take a, a personal faith out of it. Um, and one of the things that, that really struck me through that is just this idea that, um, you know, parents, if you're, if you're bringing your kid to, to church and, and bring them to Sunday school and, and you're feeling discouraged because you think, you know, oh, they're not taking to this, they're rebelling, um, something like that, you know, take heart from this lesson that, that in Tyler had, he had that. And, and when life got rough, he came back to that foundation that was built uh, from going to church as a kid. Um, and, and, you know, that, that gave him strength at the time when he needed it. And, and so, you know, that was, I thought that was, it was really poignant to me that, you know, even though he had that church background and, and even though it didn't lead to a personal faith at that time, mm-hmm. uh, it provided a foundation for him to come to a faith, mm-hmm. uh, to come to the Lord eventually. That's that's big, right? That's that's huge, and and that should hopefully, like I said, be encouragement for for parents who are faithfully bringing their kids to church, even if you don't feel like it's having an impact. It does, and and it, it you don't you don't maybe know when it's going to have an impact, but it does. Totally, totally. Well, that's good. I think people are going to really enjoy this interview, and thank you, Tyler, for stepping in and joining us and being vulnerable. Yeah, we'll try and throw some uh, th- throw some rodeo information in the show notes. So if you want to see. Uh, see some of what Tyler does. Uh, Hopefully we can get some of that in there so you can see it. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody, Matt Reister here with the CC Podcast Conversations. I've got Tyler Shaw, Shaw, right? Yes, sir. With me. And Tyler's a cowboy, a real live cowboy, and that's why I originally wanted to interview him. Uh, But as... I've learned more about him. There are a few other topics we're going to talk about. Tyler, December 31st, 2021. What are you looking forward to in 2022? Uh, return to normal. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so you're in western North Dakota. Yep. Did it? How, how abnormal did it get? I mean, Iowa was pretty normal. I always tell people, like, I haven't missed a beat the last two years. I've had a great two years, but what's it like out there? It. I would I would say it was fairly normal. Um pretty much the same as, as here, uh, you know, the, the rodeo wise, our world got turned upside down because a lot of them canceled. 
Right. For like two years? Um, For all of 2020, pretty much, there was very, very few rodeos to go to. Uh, The one bright spot was North and South Dakota. Um, A lot of rodeos in our area stayed on, but it it changed the dynamics. Uh, As far as, you know, the school got, our our daughter was a eighth grader. Yep. um, And she got sent home there spring of 2020, but last year... uh, it was business as normal. So were the Dakotas, whoever runs rodeos out there, just making money hand over fist because it was booming or what? Uh, they they did good, but it was kind of the, they just, this is what we're going to do. We're in rural America and this is, this is what we do and we're going to, we're going to do it. I so, love it. Yeah. We could have a political conversation <laughs> right now, but we won't do that. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, so just to kind of tease people on what we're going to talk about. So you stick with us, Tyler his daughter that he mentioned, Sydney, has Down syndrome, special needs. We're going to talk a little bit about what it's like to be the parent of a special needs person. Uh, Tyler also lost his mom tragically in a car accident back in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, your dad was injured. By the way, the reason I know Tyler is through his sister, Amy. Amy and Troy are good friends of Jen and I. We do some church stuff with them and have gotten to know them really well over the last couple of years. And uh, Tyler, you and I met for the first time at the Dayton Rodeo in Dayton, Iowa. You're traveling with some guys competing in the rodeo, and uh, I've never been to the Dayton Rodeo. By the way, if you're from the Midwest, you ought to go to the Dayton Rodeo. Yes. Uh, what are some other great rodeos people ought to hit? Uh, Dayton, Iowa. Fort Madison, Iowa has a really, really good rodeo. Uh, Sydney, Iowa, over on the over by Council Bluffs or south of Council Bluffs, has a great rodeo. Very small town. They call it Rodeo Town, USA. Sydney, uh, Iowa. Sydney, Iowa. Usually happens. Is your daughter uh, named after that? Nope. No. Okay. My, my daughter was actually named after the the guy that got I, I taught me a lot about roping and steer wrestling, and his name was Sid, and he he passed away of cancer a few years before Sydney was born. So, okay. Cool. So, but uh, yeah, Sydney, Iowa, a small town of a few hundred people, put on a great rodeo first weekend in August. I always recommend going to that one. Uh, Hamill, Minnesota, just outside of Minneapolis, uh, puts on a really, really good rodeo the weekend after the 4th of July. So I got to check this. I really enjoyed the Dayton rodeo. Yeah. And I, so I grew up, uh, going to like bull riding things with my dad or rodeos at the Iowa state fair, but not like a rodeo junkie. But every time I went, I always loved it. I was like half loved it or maybe three quarters loved it and like a quarter nervous because I don't want to see someone get killed out there. But, uh, that's good. Anyway, I met you for the first time at the Dayton rodeo and in my typical manner, I was just very curious about rodeo stuff. So I was just drilling you with questions and you were patient enough to answer them and didn't feel like you were getting terribly annoyed. I think the people listening to me answer, (laughs) ask questions and you answer them were annoyed. Like, Matt, we're here to watch rodeo. Shut up. Um, but I thought a- after that, your your name came to mind a couple times. Like it'd be cool to to interview a guy who's a Christian and who's a rodeo guy because I don't know that might be a niche that people would want to listen to. And then, like I said, uh, I learned all these other things. So thanks for being on here with me today. You bet. Thanks for having me. So uh, rode- rodeo stuff. We'll get back to that in a second. But we were just talking before we came on line here. Give us a little synopsis of your faith journey, uh, just because I want to provide context for people. Like you, you know Jesus Christ. You're a believer, and just like all of us, kind of growing our way through that. Um, but just so people kind of know your background and and where you're at with all that, give us a yeah. Cliff's yeah. notes. I uh, grew up 
uh, in a Catholic household. I told Matt I was a, a back pew Catholic. My, our mom was the music director, so she had to sit up in the front at the piano. And, uh, my sister and I would usually sit in the very back row so that everyone wasn't staring at us. But, uh, you know, and I would say I went through the motions, you know, went, went to Sunday school, got confirmed. Um, wouldn't say, you know, looking back on it, I wouldn't say I was a, a, a Christian, I guess, or a follower of Christ. I think there are a lot of people, by the way, not to interrupt, but I'll probably do that a lot in this interview. <laughs> there are a lot of people who just right there could identify with that. I think there are a lot of Christians in the United States today who would say, the reason I'm a Christian is because I go to church, I went to catechism, I went to confirmation, I was baptized, whatever, mm-hmm. but never really had a relationship with Christ. So I don't think what you're saying is unique at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And then I uh, went to college. Uh, I, I went on a rodeo scholarship to a small college down in Fort Scott, Kansas. And the rodeo coaches there still today, uh, some of the two of the men that I look up to in life, uh, great human beings, great Christians. They would host a Bible study every Wednesday night. I would go uh, before our rodeo team meeting and started learning a little bit more about the Bible. Can you say their names? Uh, Larry Irish and Chad Cross. Cool. Are they still doing rodeo stuff or have you lost Uh, touch with them? Nope. Chad Cross is still the head rodeo coach at Fort Scott Community College. Uh, And Larry has, I mean, he's retired, but uh, I'll, I'll reach out and call him a couple times a year. Props to those guys for using their position, not just for rodeo purpose, but mm-hmm. for kingdom purposes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because you're talking about wanting to do that more yourself. Yeah, yeah. I would like to to kind of build up something like that for some of the people that uh, we spend a lot of time with. Cool. Go so, ahead. Um, and then, you know, I, I left Fort Scott, ended up at Iowa State, and I would say kind of went back to being a back pew Catholic because that was the only church I knew. Uh, I got married, and my wife was Lutheran, and... Uh, you know, one, one of the, uh, so my, my father is now married to my mom's younger sister. We'll hear that story <laughs> later on. <laughs> but one of the things that my, uh, her husband, Darsh would always say, he, he switched, uh, religions as well. Uh, I, I don't remember what religion he was, but he became a Catholic when he married Mary Lou. And I remember the story that he told his daughters was the family that prays together stays together. Okay. And so... I, I took that to heart and told my Jack, uh, my wife Jackie that I, I would become I would become a Lutheran, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I I wouldn't say I dove deep into it uh, until we moved back to her hometown in Almont, North Dakota, and went to the very first uh, annual meeting, and they they voted me on the uh, church board, and then at the fresh the, blood, <laughs> get them on there. <laughs> Well, when when you have nine people on your church board and only eighteen families, you kind of gotta you gotta find some new people. And so I got put on the church board, and thirty minutes later, I was uh, nominated and voted in as the church president. Um, so I, I would say that's when it really began for me. Interesting. And as we were talking, it's kind of like okay, I gotta be up here and lead this church, and you had to lead it through a little bit of a dicey time. Mm-hmm. I, I better. Uh, I better get serious about what I say I believe because here I am like leading this stuff. So mm-hmm. that's that's great. Um, what exactly – now, right now in North Dakota, mm-hmm. you do a few different things or you have done a few different mm-hmm. things. Um, I was just 
my wife and family and I crashed your family Christmas in Mount Pleasant, <laughs> Iowa. We were driving through, and so I got to meet your whole family. And uh, you were working on some brokerage stuff. So you're yep. doing commodity brokerage. Yep. Futures it, and options brokerage. And you're still coaching Rodeo? Um, not uh, at a official job within a college. Just uh, We help a lot of young people. So what's your setup up there? Uh, we've got an indoor arena, an outdoor arena, and, and we always have a bunch of horses and cattle and a lot of high school kids come out and learn to steer, wrestle, and rope at our place. Uh, my do wife, you still compete? You do a little bit. I do. Um, I think I probably ran my – you might have seen one of my last bulldogging runs at Dayton. Wow. Uh, I think I'm probably going to hang up my spurs uh, steer wrestling. Is that hard to do? Yeah, it is very hard to do. Yeah. Uh, it's. I've been steer, uh, steer wrestling since I was 16 years old. Wow. And just I'll turn 42 in March. But uh, Is Jackie done or is she no, still – No, she'll I'll, – I'll continue to rope team rope maybe rope some calves jackie still barrel races she still ropes uh we'll we'll stay involved but um steer wrestling is a very physical sport yeah and father time is undefeated yeah (laughs) i thought you were saying father time like time with your kids but you're saying father father, time (laughs) father time is undefeated nobody's ever beat him so uh, i i would rather not end up being that steer wrestler that people are like oh he should have quit five years ago right Right. Yeah. So uh, you're coaching these or you're helping mm-hmm. mentor these guys or whatever. You've had some studs come through, it sounds like. Yeah, we've we've, we've had some really some really talented, hardworking. Uh, Jacob Edler was the 2020 world champion steer wrestler. He, he, he actually grew up about five miles uh, from where my sister and I grew up in State Center, Iowa. Um, and that's how I got to know him. And he, he actually came out to North Dakota and lived with us for a summer and traveled with us. Uh, uh, a friend of my wife's, uh, her son came over since he was in sixth grade. They lived about two hours from us, but they would send him over on weekends, and we taught him to steer wrestle. He was a great wrestler. He's actually a state champion wrestler in North Dakota in cool. high school as a junior and then did not go out for wrestling as a senior because he wanted to focus on steer wrestling. Uh, and he just graduated from college last year, but he he made the NFR, the National Finals Rodeo, last year as well and, and ended up like 11th in the world, I think. And wow. Got another neighbor kid that uh, came to us. He 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 grew up about eleven miles from where we live now, and he was uh, he made the national finals rodeo in twenty nineteen. Cameron Mormon. So we've I mean that's been fortunate cool. to have some some young people. So I mean, do you make money at this, like coaching, mm-hmm. training these guys, or do you do do you raise stock rodeo stock? Uh, we 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 train a lot of horses, steer yep. wrestling and barrel racing horses, and and. Um, you know, the, these guys help promote our horses. They, some of them ride our horses. Um, so you train them and then sell them, or people give you their horses yeah. to train or yeah. whatever? Yep. Yeah. Um, but, no, as far as I, I, I guess uh, I'd never asked to be paid to, to help them. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that they, they'll help pay for some feed. They, you know, they feed and steers, and they come out and help us. I'm not putting this Edler kid on the spot, but no, how, no, no. How, how much does the winner in the world win? <laughs> not enough. Um in 2020, and that, so granted, 2020 was the COVID year, and so there was a lot of rodeos canceled. Uh, but when it was all said and done, I think he won a little over $200,000 rodeoing. And that's being the world champion. Being the world champion. Um, probably had over $100,000 of expenses to do it. So I really, really want to go to the NFR sometime. And actually, my wife and I went out to Vegas a few years ago to see Brooks and Dunn in concert, mm-hmm. like Brooks and Dunn. And so they happened to be the first weekend of December, Vegas. And we're in our hotel getting on the elevator, and there's just all these people dressed up like they're going to the Burks and Dunn concert. They're like, look at all these cowboys. Like, this is hardcore. Yeah. 
Big, a lot of Brooks and Dunn fans. And then we find out, oh, the NFR is yeah, here. That's the... And I've heard stories from your sister about your dad goes there. And yeah, every, every, every... Do you get out there every year? I did not. We did not go this year. Um, two years ago when Jacob and Bridger both made it, uh, it was actually in Texas because of COVID. Right. Um, so I went down there. And the year before when Cameron made it, I got to go out for a few days. At that point, I was uh, still teaching at a college in Bismarck, so it was hard to... It's hard to get that much time off that time of the year, but I didn't know. So I, I grew up in Cedar Falls, Iowa, which isn't a big town at all. It's the home of University of Northern Iowa. That's where our headquarters for Christian Crusaders is at. That's where we're at right now. And uh, I had no idea that there was competition rodeo in high school and college. I mean, yeah. I'm a Big Ten football fan, mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of basketball, football is like I've never been around or had any idea until probably just not that long ago, yeah. a few years ago or something. Yeah. But this is a huge, especially when you get out in more rural parts and out west, and so that's great. Do you think the sport's growing, dying? Where is it at? Uh, I think it's growing right now. The the uh, The ownership of a television station called RFD-TV, Rural yeah. Free Delivery, they, they started a few years ago another channel called the Cowboy Channel. Yep. And they've done a really, really good job of finally getting some coverage of rodeos all summer long. So people have been able to stay engaged. It's bringing more sponsors to the, the table. And Wow. I, I feel like uh, I'm going to toot rodeo's horn for a little bit uh, and give a little shout-out to it, I guess. Uh, if you want good, wholesome entertainment, yeah. um, very, you know, the very patriotic, uh, very religious. I mean, God fearing. God fearing. Um, you know, every rodeo I've ever been to, the uh, national anthem plays. Uh, there's a prayer. Um, the ones I've heard on TV. When we go to my mother-in-law's house, she's got Dish Network, mm-hmm. and so I've got two girls. Yeah, three of them, mm-hmm. but two of them especially are really into this horse thing and rodeos, and so they'll flip to the Cowboy Channel or whatever, mm-hmm. and any chance they can get to watch. But these aren't just. This is like christian prayers like mm-hmm. in jesus name like yeah. solid stuff from solid preachers yeah i've been impressed yeah no it's uh it's a very good uh avenue for entertainment i i think and uh, when we were at the dayton rodeo last year i thought man i'd bring my family to this again yeah. i can't believe i'm 45 40 at the time mm-hmm. and uh hadn't seen it before so yeah i'm, I'm all in yeah and uh, if you're pulling guys like city slickers in in like <laughs> me then 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 the sport's doing pretty well um so just orient people a little bit to rodeo. Like uh, there's a bunch of different events. Yeah. Um, you said you do some team roping yep. and some steer wrestling. Yep. Your wife does some barrel racing. What else is involved? Um, my wife also the breakaway roping is a women's event. I literally just saw this on TV over Christmas break at my mother-in-law's for the first time ever. Yep. And I thought they were dropping their rope. Like what? what's going on here? So they, they tie the, the rope. Two in the saddle horn with just a little piece of cotton string. Okay. And then there's a, a judge out in the arena with the flag. And the end of the rope also has a, a flag on it, like a handkerchief or yep. something. And so when you rope the calf, uh, the rope, you know, that cotton string that's tied to the saddle horn breaks away. The judge sees the flag flying off, and then he signals for time, and they stop the stopwatch. So it's it's an event to see which girl can get the the calf rope the fastest. And when we were in Dayton and I was peppering you with questions, one thing I learned about rodeo that I never knew before is that the eight seconds or whatever the time is dependent on the guy in the arena with the flag. Yep. It's yep. not 
it's not some guy with a stopwatch judging when he fell off the bull. Mm-hmm. It's when the flag goes down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Yep. yep. So what else is there? Uh, there's the rough stock events, bull riding, bareback riding, and saddle bronc riding. Why do you call those rough stock? Uh, that's because it's really rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's the the bucking horse events and the bucking bulls, and and then the the timed event arena. The, the, so there's rough stock events. That's the bull riding, bareback riding, saddle bronc riding. And then the timed event side of the arena is the calf roping, the team roping, uh, the steer wrestling, the barrel racing, and the breakaway roping, and those are timed events. Rough yeah. stock is a judged event where, you know, it's it's eight seconds. They've got to ride the animal for eight seconds, but then the judges how score difficult them. the ride was, yep, how, et cetera. How hard the horse bucked, uh, how you know how well the the contestant performed. The timed event side, it's all against a stopwatch. It's how mm-hmm. fast can you rope and tie this calf up, you know. How fast can you crawl off your horse and catch a steer and throw him down? Mm-hmm. So, what what type of kid does this? I mean, is <laughs> is there are there any commonalities between people who do rodeo? Is it is it take it, all kinds? It takes all kinds. Um, I did not. You know, if if you would have asked me when I was a sixth grader, I I was uh, I basketball and football and baseball. Okay. Uh, my dad, you know, he was a cowboy. He grew up always wanting to be a cowboy. Uh, did not have the the same opportunity that I did, but uh, you know that that was one of his dreams in life was just to be a cowboy and ride horses and mm-hmm. throw rope. And uh, growing up in Central Iowa wasn't uh, like I said, it's not a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, to this day, I don't really know why. I yeah, started, Iowa should be a big rodeo state. Well, yeah. I don't know why I got the bug, but I did, and I asked if I could start roping, and like I said, they gave me plenty of opportunity, and and then I started learning to steer wrestle, and yeah. And so the kids that come through, like you talked about the kid who was a wrestler mm-hmm. who became a steer wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like wrestlers, some basketball guy, mm-hmm. wrestlers have a different mentality. Yeah. <laughs> and so do, do, do rodeo people have a different mentality, or is it um, – you know, yes and no. I mean, the, the successful, yes, they're very driven. Mm-hmm. That's all. I mean, you, you are they a little crazy? I just feel yeah. like there's a lot of opportunities to get injured. There are. Um, I would say very driven, and, and you know, they they sacrifice. Yeah. I don't want to make it sound like they sacrifice, you know, their lives. Mm-hmm. Sacrifice a lot of time doing a lot of things that other people would you know yeah you, you don't get to go boating on the weekends you know cause right you're, you're going to a rodeo or you're practicing or you know that so you give up a lot of the things in life that maybe other people would do for fun yeah and, and that becomes kind of your your you're driven to, to yeah. succeed and, what have you I, I just thought of something that we mentioned earlier but you said it's gonna be hard for you to give up steer wrestling like you think you've done your last one uh yeah so what's hard about that i mean you've done it a long time mm-hmm. But when you think about giving that up, what 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 makes that? The the camaraderie. I mean, you, you have a really good friendship with a bunch of people, people that you'd have never met otherwise from all over the world, all over the United States. Anyhow, I mean, I've got some friends from Australia that, uh, you know, that's how I know them is through steer wrestling and rodeo, and mm-hmm. and I it, it'll just be hard to watch it and not compete, not be, be part a, of it. I would liken it to every guy that's ever thrown football pads on uh, yeah. that didn't get to go play football in college and have to go watch that first football game. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just... So uh, when I saw you in Dayton, mm-hmm. you were bulldogging. Mm-hmm. 
which is basically riding the horse that keeps the steer online so the other dude can wrestle it. Yep, yep. And so you're done doing that too? No, I'll still haze. That was, that was oh, hazing. hazing. Yep. I'm sorry. So bulldogging is another term for steer wrestling. Okay. So you're done jumping off the horse and getting on the I'm, steer. Yeah, I'm done steer wrestling. But by, by hazing, you'll still get to be part of it kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, down in the chute and yeah. everything. It's yeah. just, I, you know, I'm competitive. Yeah. I like to compete. Yep. So it'd, it'd just be tough to... By the way, I looked on your Facebook page, and I don't know if you saw those out on the door. We'll make a promotion of this particular podcast. Okay. I want to use one of the pictures of you <laughs> okay. wrestling a steer. You that's, bet. that's what we'll use. You bet. So that'll be good. Um, one thing, as I was thinking about rodeo, I was thinking about country music. Mm-hmm. Country music glorifies rodeos. Mm-hmm. Um, Garth Brooks, rodeo. I wrote down some... Uh, I, George Strait, Cheyenne, Amarillo by Morning. Yeah. How, how much do these songs capture... Like rodeoing, really? Uh, they do a good job. I mean, it, it they dramatize it, of course. Uh, you know, but uh, it's there's a lot of overnight drives. I mean, it's it's not nearly as glamorous as a lot of people think. You you, if you're rodeoing for a living, if you're Jacob Edler or Bridger Anderson, and you're trying to feed your family, uh, competing in this sport. Uh, you're probably going to leave home in early June and you're probably not coming back home for more than a day or two until the end of September. Wow. And you're probably going to log about 80 to 90,000 miles driving, probably going to fly 15 to 20 times across the country. You're going to spend a lot of nights sleeping in the passenger seat of a pickup. Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to drink a lot of coffee and eat a lot of fast food. Um, you know, so. It's mm-hmm. it's not, but there's something about it. You catch the bug, and I mean, yeah. it's, you, you know they'll they'll go home for the winter, and and they can't wait to do it again. Give people so you you got locked into the Daily Dose podcast. That's mm-hmm. our daily devotional podcast, and mm-hmm. that was after we met in Dayton. You were just telling me this story, but tell people the story of that weekend for you, just to give people an idea of how that plays out, and then even how you got onto the podcast. Yeah, so I'm just a like. Even I'm a semi-professional cowboy is what I would always say. I have a real job that uh, pays for my health insurance and buys food and all that good stuff. Which is? Uh, now I'm a commodity broker. Prior to that, uh, I've spent 15 years in higher education teaching commodity marketing and farm finance. Um, and you went to school for that? Yep. 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 So that weekend, that would have been Labor Day weekend. Uh, Dayton's always over Labor Day. And Thursday... Uh, of that week, my wife and I drove out to Kildare, North Dakota, which is western North Dakota, about an hour and a half away from us. Uh, we were both in a the rodeo there during the day, so they have what they call slack. So, you know, performance, they only want the performance to last two to three hours, but you'll get more entries than what they can That's get. like the show that we went to at yep, Dayton, yep. like the night show. Yep. Yeah. But when they get more entries, they'll, they'll run them earlier in the morning or later at night, whenever, and they call it a slack. I never knew that until you explained it to me in Dayton. That was one of the questions I was asking you about. And so we went to Kildare for Slack on Thursday, and then we drove home, and then we went back to Kildare Friday morning for Slack again, and then we came back home, and three other guys came and met at my place, and we swapped trucks and trailers around and loaded different horses, and then the four of us, so my wife stayed home. Uh, Me and three other guys drove pretty much, well, we left the house, I think, at 6 o'clock in the afternoon or we got to Fort Dodge, Iowa about 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, put horses up for a few hours, caught a couple hours of sleep, drove down to Dayton. which is Sleep about half where? Hour. In the trailer. It, it's it got uh, living quarters in it, couches yep. and beds and 
air conditioner. Four guys cramming in there. It, yeah, it stinks after a few days. It's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, we drove down to Dayton. We were in the slack there. We were, so Dayton was a two header. So some rodeos are they call them two headers. So you actually get you run two steers. Got it. Uh, we ran our first one in Dayton Saturday morning, and my sister came down to. She always likes coming over, so she came down to see me. Uh, and we, we were planning on getting some lunch, but the the ambulance wasn't there in time, so we couldn't start steer wrestling until the ambulance showed up. Oh. And so that got delayed about 45 minutes. It was super muddy. Um, took about a half hour to hose off. Was that the day before we came? Yeah, yeah. It was very, very wet in that arena. And so we had to hose our horses off, all of our gear, ourselves. So it took longer to get out of there than we planned, and we had to be in uh, Pine City, Minnesota that night for another rodeo. So you were in Dayton and then went to Minnesota. Yep, Saturday night, and that's on the north side of Minneapolis, about an hour north of Minneapolis. So we drove up there, got there just in time for the rodeo, had a night where we could just stay, didn't have to go anywhere. By stay, you mean stay in the trailer. Yep, stayed in the trailer, uh, build a little electric fence for our horses and let them graze some grass and, and, and got up Sunday morning and headed back to Dayton for our second one. Um, and then that's when, when I met you guys or you came down with Amy and Troy and their family and got to meet all of you. And at one point, my sister said he asked a lot of questions cause he, he's a podcaster. And I was like, Oh, cool. <laughs> I'm a podcaster because I ask a lot of questions <laughs> okay. and she has it backwards. <laughs> so when, and, and I, I used to, work about 50 miles from uh where we live so i have to drive 50 miles into work drive 50 miles back home every day and so i got to where i listened to a lot of podcasts yeah so i've I've always been a fan of podcasts for many years um we left dayton that night and i drove to i don't know sioux city or sioux falls and i told the guys i gotta i need to break i'm gonna go lay down in the trailer and so i got in the trailer and laid down on the couch and Took my phone out, and Matt had posted on Facebook that he went to the Dayton Rodeo, and he tagged my sister in it. And it got me thinking, I wonder what his podcast is. I didn't, I had no idea. Maybe I didn't know what it was. Uh, and so I did a little research, found it, started listening, and listened to six or seven uh, episodes of the Daily Dose. And so the devotional one. Yep. Have you listened to any of the conversations once? A couple of them. Yep. Okay. Yep. Do you yep. know which ones? Oh, I'm going to be terrible with names. Uh, Tell the, the story. That, the gal that had your job prior. Julie Nordstrom. Yep. Oh, yeah. That was like the, about the 85th birthday of, yep. yep. interesting. Yep. And That's interesting. I wouldn't think that would be one of the first ones you'd listen I, to. It was one that came on and I can't remember where I was driving. Yeah. I was driving by myself, I think, and uh, it came on in between uh-huh. the, the daily dose. I haven't been listening to him recently because the feed changed around and I think I got to go. Yeah, we went off anchor and now we're just on captivate. Yep. But anyway, daily dose. Put. I mean, I'm shamelessly asking you to right. to plug the daily dose. But what's the value for you in those daily devotions? Um, learning the backstory of the on, Bible of of the Bible. You know, you, you you go to church, you sit down, you try to read the Bible by yourself. Um, I I don't know what it would have been like to live two thousand years ago. So getting that backstory of why uh, certain scenarios or certain stories are important, explaining what it would have been like to live back then and what Jesus meant and some of the parables that he told. That uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that, Are you basically in the New Testament with us like we are now, or did you go all the way back to the beginning? Or I'm what? with you at Matthew. 
Okay. Uh, I think it's been on Matthew since I started listening. Yep. Um, my plan is I, I went back and started listening to some uh, from Genesis and started it. One, we're going to go back to those old ones and cut some of the pauses out and make it shorter. Okay. The, the Old Testament ones are a little longer than I wish they were, and mm-hmm. we learned a lot in the process. But anyway, that's great. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that's been encouraging for you. I want to go back to rodeo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the country songs kind of glamorize it a little bit, but I mean... Uh, we're talking about. I was thinking of a Garth Brooks, Garth Brooks lyric: um, "A broken home and some broken bones, bones is all <laughs> he'll have to show for this thing they call the rodeo." I mean, do you see that? Yeah. Like dudes are like. Yeah, I mean, it, it, or, or like, is it uh, "Cheyenne" by George Strait, or one of them, or I think Amarillo it's "Cheyenne" by Morning. "Cheyenne" by George Strait, I think, is like. He hangs up with the lady, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm going I to still, Cheyenne." Can still like, make Cheyenne. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, there's, there's, so the, the broken home and broken bones, all I got to show. I mean, it, it's, it's probably the, the great thing about rodeo. And it's also the sad thing about rodeo. The, the great thing is you only get paid if you show up and do your job. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, you can't sit it out cause you sprained your toe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm not putting any other athlete down, but right. there's no excuses. Right. Um, and I guess I kind of got sidetracked earlier when you asked what kind of person is drawn to rodeo. I think that's uh, as when I was coaching, I would always say, you know, one of the greatest thing about rodeo is it doesn't care if you're tall, short, skinny, overweight, strong. Um, if you're willing to put the work in, you can, you can, you can succeed. Like it, wow. it, it does not discriminate in any way you can, but you do got to put the work in. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you kind of find out who's willing to do that and who isn't. You were saying the sad thing and the great thing about rodeo. <laughs> so the, the, the great thing is that it's authentic. Mm-hmm. It's a very authentic, the people that are doing it are doing it because they love it. Yeah. Like you don't. Not for the glamour. No, no. Because there's not a lot of glamour. No. I mean, there's not a lot of paydays. No. You're you're doing it because you you love the sport. You love uh, uh, what it is. You know, I I want to stay involved in steer wrestling, even though I'm not going to steer wrestle. I love training the horses. Mm-hmm. Like that's I love watching them perform. And and I think I know where you're going to say where you're going to go. That's that's a good thing. So what's the sad thing? The sad thing is you love it more than everyone else. No, no. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say the sad thing is there are guys out there that have won multiple world. I mean, multiple world titles that are. Uh, working for the county, running a motor grader at age sixty. Wow, you what's know, that about? It's just there's not enough. There's not enough of it's a it's a you've got a short career. Yep, and it doesn't pay well enough to support you through retirement. You so know? like that day you described or that weekend, mm-hmm. North Dakota to Dayton to Minnesota back to Dayton. Mm-hmm. If you'd have won everything you competed in, yeah. what's the most money you could have won that weekend? Maybe five thousand dollars. Okay, that's more than I would have guessed. Yeah. But you're not going to win everything. No, you you're, you're not going to. So I mean, is this a losing proposition financially for most people? Um, yeah. I mean, for for a fair majority, there. I mean, when you factor in the true cost of trucks and trailers and horses and feed and uh, you know broken bones and hospital visits yeah. and yeah, you're it's it's really tough to to turn a profit. Yep. So I was going to ask you, what's the worst injury you've had? Or tell us a couple of war stories. Um, I've my, my right ankle many years ago, I broke it. I self-diagnosed it as a sprain because I had sprained my other <laughs> ankle a few months before. 
And uh, how did you break it? I uh, was steer wrestling. It was at Spooner, Wisconsin. It was really deep sand, and and just had a steer that was kind of low headed and toe caught into the sand and bent backwards, and it hurt. But and like I said, I just figured it was a sprain. So, and I was actually having probably the the best year that I had ever had at that oh, point. Oh wow! And I was twenty two or three. I I, I was in my in your prime. 20s, yeah, and and I was gonna say I was not very smart, but <laughs> and so I just taped it up and put a brace on it and put a lace up boot and kept going and I kept placing and winning some right off the start and then as the summer progressed it it started bothering me worse and worse and you I, kept competing on a broken uh, ankle yeah well I, I thought it was a sprain so I didn't think it was a big deal um that was the first year I was coaching up at Iowa Central and and it just got it got it got really painful like in the fall and the winter, like just even to walk on. And I guess when I decided to go have it looked at was when <laughs> after about three nights in a row, I noticed I'd have to stick my leg outside of the blankets because the weight of the blankets hurt my foot too bad to sleep at night. <laughs> so I went in and turns out I had broken it. And by that point, a bunch of bone chips had chipped off and gotten down into the joint. So surgery. So they had to go in and scope out. A, so I got about 50% of the cartilage in my right ankle. Wow. And that's, that's plagued me ever since. And then a few years ago, I broke uh, both bones right above that and my leg. Ooh, the tibia and fibula? Yeah. The tibia is not to be messed with. No. How'd that so, happen? I just steer wrestling again. Kind of you the get same stepped year. on or just, no, just hit, twisted? No, just hit twisted funny and, yeah. And so went in and then I had to be in a uh, cast and hard cast for eight weeks and then a walking boot for six weeks and. Um, this is going to give you an indicator of how much I hate pain, but I'm fascinated by beekeeping. Yeah. I, and we've got some property where I think it'd be cool to do some beekeeping. Mm -hmm. And every year we go to the Iowa State Fair, I talk to the Iowa Honey Association people and get some more information to learn, just like I was peppering you with questions. Mm -hmm. So I'm learning all this stuff. And I said to the guy, like, here's the thing. I've never been stung by a bee before, and I don't ever want to be stung by a bee. Is there any chance I can do this and not get stung? And he just laughs at me and goes, no. Is there any chance you can rodeo and not break a bone? Um, it, it, I don't want to say anything bad about team ropers, but maybe if you just team rope. <laughs> <laughs> but you can still. I mean, You're a I, team roper. Yeah, I do team rope. You can still get hurt team roping too. But no, I mean, it. it it's a cliche that they'll say a lot in rodeo. It's not if you get hurt, it's when and how bad. Yeah. So I was going to ask you another question. What's the worst injury you've ever witnessed? Oh, witnessed? Or one of the worst? Um, you ever seen one die? No, I don't. I've, I've never seen anyone die. I mean, in, that happens. Yeah, it does. Um, I've seen some people end up paralyzed, broken necks. And you've seen the injury? Yeah. Wow, like stepped on? Yeah, stepped on. One guy <laughs> fell off. One guy had a steer and the steer wrestling steer cut under the horse. Horse flipped and oh my gosh. rolled over the, the, the bulldogger. So. And, I mean, it, it gets real serious real fast, right? Yeah, yeah it's very sobering. Wow. Um, when we were in Dayton, there was this event, which isn't an official rodeo event. It's some stupid sideshow where you can describe it. But I remember, I remember we were standing there. Uh, and you're like, now this is an event where you may see someone die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, what was that thing? The wild horse race. So yeah, a lot of rodeos will have it. Three guys will uh, basically they'll, they'll be given the lead rope to a wild horse that's never been saddled, and their job is to saddle it and ride it 
depends on where you're at. Some arenas, it's right from one end of the arena to the other. Some of these arenas, like Cheyenne Frontier Days, uh, I'm trying to think of a few others. Burwell, Nebraska, they have a track, like a mile-long track. All you have to ride up. it around it? Yep, and they'll have to ride the horse around that whole track. Um, so it gets... So there's three guys trying to get a wild horse. You have a mugger, um, one guy. So he's the guy holding the lead rope, and then he's going to get to the head and try to control the horse. Well, actually, so there's a guy on the lead rope. Then there's a mugger that tries to get on the horse's head or neck to keep him, you know, contained. And then you got the guy saddling it, and then he's also in charge of riding it. There was one particular thing that was very interesting to me about how they, I think it would be the mugger. Mm -hmm. Well, Do you remember the thing that caught my eye? Like, what's he doing right now? biting his ear or grabbing his ear <laughs> yeah, yeah. what the heck's that um they'll the, there's you know that that is one way that uh I, we we don't like doing this or i don't because it usually makes the horse kind of head shy um but you can subdue a horse that's being difficult to work with by grabbing the ear kind of like twitching it and, yeah and, yeah and twisting it you know I, I as a horse person i'm not a huge fan of it um just that you know it going to cause some pain to the horse but in that situation yeah they're trying to those guys do it enough to get the saddle on wasn't it a thousand bucks i if, think if they got that that night i think that's all it was, was and is that bucks. split three ways i think so <laughs> like i'm not doing that for a hundred thousand bucks no me either. it's just crazy yeah. uh fascinating but that's one of the in the rodeo they've got all these events what other events didn't we mention i, I think we mentioned them yeah we had them all um but in between the events, they have these little sideshow entertainment things. Specialty acts. Yeah. Some, you know, the clown or the whatever. Yeah. And so this, what did you call it? This this event we were just talking wild about. Wild horse race. Yeah, the wild horse race. That yeah. was one of those events like, holy cow. Yeah. That's when I was saying, like, I love going to rodeos and I'm 75% way interested and 25% nervous. I mean, yeah. my blood pressure's <laughs> up there on that event. I, like, I've been to a lot of them and I still get nervous watching the wild horse race. Wow. So anyway... That that is uh, fast. We might come back to some rodeo stuff, mm -hmm. um, but let's talk about your daughter Sydney a second. Now, this is going to sound like we're just like, and you probably already get an idea. I've got some ADD, like I'm all over the place. Um, but uh, Sydney has Down syndrome, yep, special needs, and um, the one question I was interested in, and I'll have some more as you talk. But what's one thing, or what are some things that you wish people who didn't have a down syndrome person in their life you wish they knew um that you know and before sydney came into your life you didn't know no but it would just make um life for people in these situations easier mm -hmm. or better or whatever is that a fair question yeah perfectly fair um the one thing i wish people knew one, I, 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 I wish more people had the opportunity to know Sydney the way my wife and I know Sydney. Hmm. Um, and and uh, even, you know, her grandparents don't know her like we do. Mm -hmm. um, just uh, living with her every day, getting to know her. Uh, she's just an amazing person. Mm -hmm. um, always fun to be around. I, let me rephrase that. Most of the time, fun to be around. <laughs> she's a kid. She's a teenager. How old um, is she? She's 15. Okay. Um, you know, I, I would say she's just like every other teenager. There's battles. Um, there are things that she does that are very unique to her, just like any other teenager, mm -hmm. any other kid. Uh, her biggest struggle is communication. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, it, it, we'll never know what the root cause of the communication issue is. I, I don't feel like that's my job to figure out. Would you say that's particular in her case or that's universal for everyone with Downs? Um, it, it, it's, I wouldn't say it's universal for everyone. It's very common. Okay. Um, you know, a lot of times I feel what research I've done, a lot of it is the, you know, the form shape of their mouth. Oh, okay. Um, the, the interesting, you know, making certain sounds is very difficult. Huh. And when you remove that ability to make those certain sounds, uh, you know, it becomes, it becomes tricky. Like and, a mechanical thing. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. And, and so, you know, for, I, I oftentimes imagine, like, imagine you went to a foreign country mm-hmm. and knew no, none of the language and were trying to tell these people and you in your head know exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. and they have no idea what you're, how frustrating that would get. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's, that's the one thing that I wish more people understood that, you know, when, when she lets you, you'll know when she's not happy mm-hmm. and that's typically why you're not catching up on what it is that she's trying she, to convey that she wants. Yeah. And that's, that's been a struggle we've had with her in school and, and, you know, it, Jackie and I live with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, I'm not going to say we always understand her, but I get her probably better than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably because I've put myself, I've done that thought exercise multiple times. How frustrating would it be to mm-hmm. know what it is that I want and no one else can figure it out? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not, you know, I'd, I would never, I, I would have been guilty of this before too. I still am today because I understand Sydney because I live with her. Mm-hmm. I've been put in situations where other children with special needs are trying to tell me something and I don't understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, do you, you feel helpless? You, Can you think of a specific example where that comes up or has come up? I'm sure it's come up a ton of times. Yeah. We, we belong to a, a group, um, it's called designer genes up in the Bismarck area. And it's all, it's a down syndrome group. It's parents with, uh, children with down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And the goal is advocacy, um, and then education. You know, one of the, uh, first things that, that, that they try to do when, when a child is diagnosed with down syndrome in the hospital is get to the hospital meet the parents explain to them you know because it's it's a i'll never forget that day when i was going to ask you about that like and i want to get back to what you're saying but um you know you and jackie are pregnant Mm -hmm. and just like a bunch of us have been Mm -hmm. or i mean our wives are pregnant but we're, we're part of the deal and um everyone wants quote unquote a healthy baby yep and you get the news that your child has Down syndrome, mm-hmm. um, and that's not what you were thinking. Yeah. Um, one thing that's even uncomfortable for me to even broach this subject with is you don't want to say that it turned out a way that you didn't want it to turn out because there's so many blessings and so much joy and benefit that comes. I, I know other families that have had mm-hmm. uh down syndrome kids or special needs kids and every one of them would say this has been one of the greatest blessings of our life and for those of us that haven't walked in those shoes we go really like how Mm -hmm. we were just at the funeral of some good friends son who was born with a a brain thing and he lived way longer than he was supposed to but in his mid or late 20s just recently died over thanksgiving Mm -hmm. 
And you just look at that family and go, man, I don't know if I could have done that. But they go, we thought we couldn't have done that. We've done it, and it's been a huge joy for us. So you were just getting ready to say, I'll never forget when. And then how did the way that it's gone change what you would have thought it would have been like um, in your mind or change yeah, your thinking yeah. about that so yeah we had no clue um you know we we, we did not do an amniocentesis or anything so like you found that. out after she was born yep yep uh everything about the pregnancy was perfectly like there were never any hiccups i think uh we got to the hospital and sydney was born 45 minutes later something like that it you know and she was a perfectly healthy baby at that point. It, wow. was, it was late at night, early in the morning when we went in. Uh, the next morning, my folks were actually up at the hospital, came up to, to see us. You're and, in North Dakota at this point? No, we're in, Iowa. We're, we're in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Oh, okay. Um, the, the, it's been so long, and Sydney's our only child. I do not remember what you refer to as a baby doctor, so I'll just refer to him OB, as a baby yeah, there you go, the <laughs> uh, You know what a horse doctor is, though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The, the obstetrician that we had been seeing wasn't on call because it was weekend. And so we got the, the guy that was on call, never met him before, probably a, a good person. Um, I did not like him very much because the first thing out of his mouth when he told us, I think your child has Down syndrome, is would you like to talk about the options? After she was born? Uh, this was about six hours later. Um, he came in and... Uh, what options? I, I didn't ask. I told him to leave. Holy smokes. Um, and that, I mean, I bring that up because that, that is, Sydney's a, I, I will echo those. I can't imagine life without Sydney. Yeah. Um, she's been a blessing and I'll, I'll, I'll get to how, um, but it's a sad state that that's brought. That's probably before, before I even knew what down syndrome was, mm-hmm. I, I was asked if we would like to know about the option. We'll be right back to the second half of the CC Podcast Conversations. But first, the CC Podcast is accepting applications for sponsorships. Our podcasts are growing very quickly and reaching a wide audience. If your business or organization is interested in hearing about sponsorship options and pricing, please email info at christiancrusaders.org or call 319-277-0924. And now... Back to the second half of the CC Podcast Conversations. So I'm going to cut you off and tell you a little bit of our story. Mm-hmm. So our Jen's second pregnancy is our daughter Jillian. You met her mm-hmm. the other day. Jillian, totally healthy. Um, but there was a false positive test that she was kind of shoehorned into taking Jen mm-hmm. when she was pregnant with Jillian. Mm-hmm. We later found out that this test is horrible because it's false positive all the time. And I forget what Jillian supposedly had, but there was a very, very high chance based on this false test that she wouldn't make it to term. And if she lived through delivery, she'd die within a few hours. Mm-hmm. We were down in Iowa City at the university hospitals for this high-tech, uh, those things where they look at ultrasound. ultrasound. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah. we're having brain farts here. <laughs> and... Uh, and I remember the doctor, a woman in Iowa City, came in and she said, she looked at the chart. So far, it was an ultrasound tech Mm -hmm. that was with us. She looked at the chart, and there were two things that Jillian could have had, and one of them was like a one in ten chance. Mm -hmm. And if she has this, 
she's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. She, it's going to be a non-viable pregnancy. She might go to term. If she's delivered, she'll die mm-hmm. hours later. Since then, we've had some friends that have gone through that, and I forget the, ter- the name for it, and it's obviously a terrible situation. But this doctor comes in, looks at the chart, and goes, wow, 10% chance. That's really high. And, and we're like, uh, okay. And then she says, hey, she basically says, I'm going to let you guys, she explains it to us, I'm going to let you guys go in this other room and kind of talk through the options. They said the same thing, the mm-hmm. options, mm-hmm. the options. And, and we're like, um, there's no option. I mean, no. this is the deal. This, this baby's going to term. Mm-hmm. We're not having an abortion. And she basically said, because I, I said options, she kind of defined what she meant. It's like, uh, that's not an option with us. And she doubled down and said, uh, you really need to go think about this. As it turns out, Jillian, our daughter, this is a false positive. It was a terrible pregnancy for my wife because mm-hmm. she's just assuming the worst this whole time. Mm-hmm. Jillian ends up being healthy. Um, and we had two or three very easy opportunities encouraged by a doctor in Iowa City to just go in this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And you just think, what would we have missed out on? Mm-hmm. And how many people have taken those options? Uh, it's terrible. Yeah. And so go ahead with your story. Well, I just, yeah, but that was, that was my introduction to Down syndrome. And that, uh, thank goodness for groups like Designer Genes that are trying to uh, advocate and I mean, provide education, and the minute they find out that there's been a baby born with Down syndrome in the Bismarck-Mandan area, someone is there with some educational materials on here's what to expect. And kind of like we've walked this road and established a relationship with... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it... So you didn't have that, though? Because no. you were in Fort Dodge and yeah, there was yeah, no... But, yeah, no. We we did uh, about a week... I. I I can't tell you exactly how many days a group did reach out to us and we did get some books and some information. And so what was that like the first few hours, the first few days? Well, so the, the, they didn't know for certain. They had to do some genetic testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, I, I don't know if that's changed in 15 years, but at that time you didn't get, it wasn't like a immediate uh, results. Yeah, it was, I, I think it was a week before we got the official results. So, so you'd already gone home. Yeah, we'd gone home. Um, and in true cowboy fashion, I left three days later and went to the circuit finals in Louisville, Kentucky, <laughs> um, which I, 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 I offered to stay home. My wife wouldn't let me. Okay. Well, that um, makes it a little my, better. <laughs> my mother-in-law did come down and, and help. Uh, but that was, I mean, you know, not knowing a, does she have down syndrome? B, what is down syndrome? And, and really most importantly is, I mean, that I could care less about it's, there are a lot of health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of heart problems. Yep. Um, and, you know, by the grace of God, we've, you know, we've, she did have a, uh, she did have a heart issue that healed itself. Wow. Um, on its own or a, a valve that was leaky that ended up, she grew out of it and, mm-hmm. and she never did have to have any heart surgery. Um, when you say that was your introduction to down syndrome, did you never know anyone growing up who had downs? No. Wow. And, you know, to be honest, uh, thank, you know, thank God the, the education system has changed like it has. Cause you know, when, when I was in high school, 1994 to 1998, the special education students were stuck in a room and I had very, very little, I mean, very little interaction with, with anyone with special needs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the case today. And that's one thing I am grateful for, 
I, uh, I do serve on our local school board mm-hmm. and, and New Salem Almont, and that's one of the things that, that um, you know, that we have, we've still got a lot of work to do there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, those kids have known Sydney since she was a preschooler. That's cool. And we've I'm a basketball coach, high school basketball, mm-hmm. and we've competed against a couple teams. I don't know that it's specifically Downs, but mm-hmm. who have had some special needs kids. And we, we had the opportunity to just be getting crushed by one of these teams. <laughs> and so the coach told me, hey, we're going to put this kid in. And uh, I said, I'm not asking you to let him score or anything, but, you know, whatever. And so um, we we he ended up hitting a three on us, oh. I think, or, or maybe a, a score under the bucket. But it's just cool how to watch how that team Embraced rallied him. around this kid yeah. and uh, and how the coach, you know, was trying to give him a, a cool experience. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, so I mean that that was that was our introduction to it, and and had no idea what to expect, and I guess when, when you, I think the original question was, yeah. you know, what, what, what does she, you know, what what has she brought? I, it a, a very a very fine appreciation for the simple things in life, mm. um, you know, and I don't ever say this to make anyone like I, I don't ever want anyone to say you know oh. He, you know, it's been hard on, because it has, it's just, it, it's been what it's been. Yep. Um, but I mean, that took her, she was two before she took her first steps. Yep. Um, it, it, you know, it was a long time before she could communicate to where we really understood what she wanted. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we did sign language that helped, but to actually hear her say mom, dad, mm-hmm. uh, talk, you know, that, that, that was huge. Um, they have digestive issues. I don't want to get too into it, but she mm-hmm. struggled uh, with constipation mm-hmm. and for a long time. And you don't know how hard it is uh, to deal with till you've mm. sat with your child on the toilet while she screams in pain for 30 minutes. Wow. Um, you know, and so the appreciation for when she's finally able to do things like that on her own. Yeah. Um, wash her hair in the shower by herself without any help from anybody. Yep. Um, you know, that there's just Jackie and I, those are big things in our life. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy for that. Yeah. It, it's taught me that little things are big things. I have, this is very different, but a little similar. I have a brother and sister that are adopted from India and Korea. And I would have people ask me all this, and that's my only brother and sister. And I'm biologically my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have people all the time ask me, what's it like to have an adopted brother and sister? It's like normal. Yeah. I mean, this is normal for me. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything different to compare it to. And so you probably feel that way a little bit. Like, yeah. what's it like to have a Down syndrome child? Well, it's, it's normal. Yeah. We don't, so Sydney is our only child and we don't know. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you that. And so I think that's always the fear when you get that diagnosis or a di- any type of, of diagnosis like that is. You have, and you mentioned it, you have this idea of what uh, your your fatherhood or your motherhood is going to be. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, now it's unknown. Mm-hmm. And this probably sounds corny, but I'm, I, I'm very thankful for that opportunity because I think it's helped me become a better human and yeah. a better person. I think back to what we were talking about, about options. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a whole segment of the science community that would say, let's do the best that we can to eradicate this. Oh, yeah. And in one sense, I think some of them, there's Jillian calling me, <laughs> I think some of them are well-intended, 
But it's like, do you understand what society loses by not having special needs people as part of our society, part of our families? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll deviate just a little, but one of the thoughts that I, I've always had on this, uh, and I was told this multiple times when we first found out Sydney had Down syndrome, you know, that uh, had people that uh, told us, well, you know, God never gives you more than you can handle, and and I, I don't, I don't know what the answer to that is. I do know there are plenty of people that have ended pregnancies because of an amniocentesis. Yeah, and I know of plenty of kids that. Uh, are born with Down syndrome and their parents couldn't handle it and end up in foster care. Um, you know, so, so it, it's, it's something to be embraced though. I mean, mm-hmm. every life, there's, there's no life more important than another life. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I, I just, like I said, I, I thank God Sydney was put under our care. Um, and she's been a blessing in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think she's been a blessing in a lot of other people's lives. She's 15 now. Mm-hmm. What? Do you, how do you envision this all playing out, like down the road, like at you know, uh, 18 or mm-hmm. 25? In some cases, kids move out of house. Yeah. She's <laughs> uh, she's very independent. She claims she's going to live by herself. Cool. She that's she wants to live by herself. So we're gonna give her every opportunity we can to mm-hmm. figure what that is. Um, you know, she gets on the horses, I imagine. She does. Um, she rides some. She's not, I mean, we've never forced it on her. She could take it or leave it, to be right honest with you. She will. Uh, she does have a horse she rides, and she'll barrel race. Does uh, she like being around the rodeo? She does. She's huge uh, fans of, like, there's Jacob Edler and Bridger Anderson. She's got their uh, autograph posters hanging in her room. Um, she's she's their biggest fan. That's cool. Um, she's, yeah, she likes going to rodeos. Um, she loves traveling. She loves all that. But, uh, we're, we're at that stage where we're trying to figure out what it is that, you know, what, what is, what does she love to do? What does she like to do? Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that there's been no mistake about it. She's going to have a job Mm -hmm. (laughs) of some sort. We don't know what that is. (laughs) If that involves us starting a business that she can work at or help operate, that's, uh, I would love that. But I mean, we'll. I guess we'll do it like we've done everything else in life. And I'm the same way. I love working with my kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what a blessing that would be to, to do that. I mean, just continue to do life together yeah. and make, they're living by themselves. I mean, I don't want you to live in my house for the rest of your life, but, <laughs> but I mean, gosh, yeah. that, that'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts about just what people could benefit from knowing or learning from the road you've walked, the road that Sydney walks? Yeah. Um, you know, take the time to get to know them. Uh, don't, don't, you know, the, the, the communication barrier I, I feel is the biggest one. Uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to, to have the conversation and, and people, uh, when people are uncomfortable, the, the yeah. easy thing to do is to just ignore it and walk away. Yeah. And, and I see that play out. I was going to ask you that. Do you, do you see people get uncomfortable and be like, Ooh, I'm going to. Yep. withdraw from this because yep. i don't know what to do or say or this yep. is weird or awkward or yeah you do um and and again i'm not gonna i don't point it out i'm not gonna but you know it, i i i encourage people to uh work through the awkwardness yeah um you know be okay with it and be, be blessed by yeah. the interaction and the friendship and the be comfortable being uncomfortable yeah 
and and just get to know them and and their their lives will be better as a result that's cool so i want to talk about uh this accident that your mom and dad were in mm-hmm. which is i mean i remember the first time i don't think i learned this from amy and troy until i knew him for a while mm-hmm. and then this topic came up and it was just like spellbound mm-hmm. i don't know if spellbound's the right word but just like whoa this is a wild story mm-hmm. and i can't imagine having lived through it as the mm-hmm. son and daughter of your parents. Yeah. So they got in a car accident. Um, your mom was killed. Your dad was in a coma for a uh, long time. Yeah, three weeks. Missed the funeral yep. of your mom. Yep. It has to be basically when he comes out of his coma, you have to tell him that it, his wife is dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, I cannot imagine. So so kind of walk me through that as you're comfortable, and I might have some yeah. questions. No, no, you're, you're fine. Um. Yeah, the 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 interesting part, you know, mom was was they they assume killed instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, dad somehow survived. Uh, on that, they they lifelighted him to Des Moines. It, it, the accident happened just outside of State Center, so about fifty miles from Des Moines. What were the logistics of the accident? Uh, they were headed to Des Moines. They're actually headed to Altoona to the racetrack, Prairie Meadows. They were okay. going to meet some old friends. Um, that were gonna, they were going to meet up with them down there. In the summertime then? It would have been uh, late July, okay. near the end of July. Um, and, and at this point, I was living in North Dakota with my wife and daughter, and we were actually in Plentywood, Montana, which is uh, extreme northeast Montana, probably 20 miles from the Canadian border. Okay. Um, at a rodeo? Or? Yep, we were at a rodeo. And... Yeah, so they were, my mom had actually called earlier that day. I didn't, she called her house. We had already left for the rodeo um, and hmm. just said, hey, we're going to go down to Prairie Meadows, meet up with some friends. And so they they were turning left. They were on Highway 30, and that was before it was a four lane mm-hmm. over in that area. It was a two lane. They were turning left. They were waiting for an oncoming car, and uh, a, a, a gentleman behind them never saw him, uh, and and. Uh, the assumption that he's going about 65 miles an hour and hit him and it spun him around into the other lane of traffic where they got hit by the car they were waiting on and they figured he was going about 75 miles an hour. Ugh. Uh, and, and yeah, they end up lifelighting dad. So to, your mom's side got hit? No, they got hit in the rear twice. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and basically pushed the rear of the car into the front of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Dad, uh, they they nearly died in the helicopter uh, on the way to Des Moines. Got him on the uh, operating table, and this is a weird. Uh, again, the way his palate and his jaw, they they could not get him intubated. Uh, hmm. They got him to the the from the injury or from the way he is. Just the way he is. Um, uh, there's another story that I'll tell later, but. <laughs> Uh, the, the surgeon that was in the intensive care unit uh, said he almost died just because they could not get him intubated. Wow. They couldn't get And he said, I literally thought I was going to break his something. Like, I thought we were going to have to break his jaw just to get the tube down to get him oxygen. It, it collapsed along. He broke his femur. Uh, his right shoulder was banged up very, very bad. I think broke his, you know, shoulder blade, his collarbone. Was it an induced coma, or was he yeah. unconscious from the accident? No, they put him into an... Well... 
he was in a coma, and then they also put him into an induced coma. To okay. Just uh, let him heal. Him, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let him heal. And then it, it was up to him when he came out of it, basically. And it was, I don't remember the exact amount of time, two to three weeks mm-hmm. uh, that he was in a coma. But So you're up at this rodeo. How do you find out? Uh, I got back to the truck um, and was putting my horse away. And, and uh, a friend of my brother-in-law's that I also knew, so my wife's brother, uh, my, my wife's brother was back home. But this friend of his, actually, he was one of his old college roommates, came up and found me and said, "Hey, Jeb's trying to get a hold of you for some reason." So I Jeb. go to the, uh, my brother-in-law. Okay. So I go to the truck and grab my cell phone. They were the old flip phones, and I see I'd missed like fifteen calls from my sister and four or five from Jeb. Were you like something's wrong? Yeah, I knew something was wrong, and so I called Jeb, and he's like, "Yeah, your sister's trying to get a hold of you." So I called her and. That was how I found out. On the phone? On the phone. From your sister? Yep. Wow. And we were 24 hours away driving. Um, so. Wow. So you book it down there. I mean, yeah, did we, you have to drop horses off? Did yeah. people take care of them for you? Uh, we had a friend with us, and he drove us home. We dropped our horses off. We packed some suitcases. He dropped us off at the airport in Bismarck. Flew back to, to Iowa with a, you know, a year and a half old, well, yeah, a one and eight month old daughter mm-hmm. uh, brought her back, and and then we're in Iowa for a few weeks. When we realized we were going to be down there for a lot longer, um, me and this Jacob Edler, uh, he would have been an eighth grader at the time. He he rode back. We we drove a truck up, or actually we hitched a ride, <laughs> um, hitched a ride to Minneapolis, and then hitched a ride with a kid that was going to Northwestern. Just with some rodeo guys, or what? Yeah, pretty much. He was going to school for to be a chiropractor at Northwestern in Minneapolis, and anyhow, we we caught a ride up there, and then he was headed back to Almont. And when we got back to Almont, we loaded up a truck and trailer with all of our clothes and stuff. Brought that all down. So just in the immediate finding out about this and needing to get to Bismarck to fly back to Iowa, mm-hmm. um, you're you're just piecing the story together like phone calls with your sister or something like Amy, my aunt. And so you knew your mom was dead right away yep. and that your dad was in the hospital and maybe not going to make it, maybe going to make it. I believe at that point that I found out he, I, I knew he was, he was in, when I first found out he was in the, the, uh, intensive care mm-hmm. in, you know, in surgery. And as we're driving, we keep getting updates. Hey, he's, you know, now he's, he's out of surgery. They, you know, he was stable, but, He's in a coma, and I mean, we don't know if there's, didn't know if there was brain. We didn't know. We didn't know if he'd ever come out of a coma. We mm-hmm. didn't know if he would be able to walk. I mean, we just, we didn't know anything, mm-hmm. to be right honest with you. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to come back to this story, but, um, you know, weaving your spiritual story in mm-hmm. with this. When we were talking, I don't remember if you said it on the podcast or if you said it before we started recording, but just how having Sydney mm-hmm. was kind of a, like a jump forward in your faith. Mm -hmm. And then this situation with your mom and dad was another jump forward. How do you remember how that all played out? Well, and in between there after Sydney was born was when, uh, Jackie was diagnosed with cancer. I forgot about mentioning that. (laughs) Uh, Tell that story. And then we'll come back to this. Um, yeah. So Jackie, after Sydney was born, it was about six months later. Uh, we were actually down at my mom and dad's helping my dad do some fencing and we'd been out all morning and, and, uh, came back to the house and 
I was going to try to get Sydney to take a nap and Jackie was going to go ride a couple colts for my dad. She went down to the barn and pretty soon the, the door opened and it was Jackie and when she talked, she, she couldn't. Like everything was slurred. I thought she was having a stroke. Hmm. And so I'd hollered at dad, I got to get Jackie to the hospital. I called 911. I met an ambulance halfway there. By that time she had kind of, she could talk and she felt better. Um, long story short, took about six weeks to figure out that, uh, she had tumors all over her body and it was choriocarcinoma. And it was the, the hormones that created like the umbilical cord and all the things that did such a great job of taking care of Sydney when she was in the womb. Uh, her body just kept producing those hormones, which then kept producing those cells and they were just massing up everywhere. So she had tumors in her kidney or liver, uh, her stomach. Uh, her intestines they found some on her brain um they when they figured it out they had to remove a section of her intestine first and then they they you know did a biopsy on it figured out what was going on and they came in right away and said there's good news and there's bad news the good news is we can cure this cancer we know that Mm -hmm. bad news is there's a 50 percent chance the chemotherapy will kill you wow and i said what if we don't do chemo and they said then she'll die within a month Jeez. So uh, pretty much no options. We we went to chemo. She ended up having to do some radiation. Um, you know, so so that happened six months after Sydney was born. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're in the hurt locker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. That was that was uh, that was man. I'm not. I'm not. I don't want anyone to ever feel sorry for me. That was a struggle. Being 25 years old, 26 years old, having a six month old baby, and having to give your wife shots every night that, I mean, she would start to tremble because the, I don't remember what it was that I was even giving her at this point, but it would make her bones hurt. Mm. It was to boost her white blood cell count. Mm. Um, and she would just, as I was giving it to her, she just knew the pain was coming and she'd just shake and, oh. and terror for how bad it was going to hurt. And we made it through it. I mean, little did you know a year and two months later, this other deal's coming. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, about a year later, uh, they're in this accident. And I, I guess one of the first thoughts that rolled through my head is why does everyone close to me get hurt? Mm-hmm. And why can't it be me? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and that was, huh. that was probably one of the things I had to figure out. Totally. The most. Totally. I, I remember sitting in the, the chapel, um, at the hospital one of the first nights I was there and just, that was one of the few times I've ever really broke down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I have had um, friends around us go through crazy tragedies of different kinds, and we've had the same thought. Like, I mean, why not us? Mm-hmm. And, and And when is it going to be us? Mm-hmm. You know? It's different than what you're talking about, but I, I mean, I can understand that. So anyway, you're in the chapel, you're doing business with the Lord. You know, some people go through hardship like this, and it makes them angry at God and turn away from God. Did mm-hmm. you ever have any of that? I don't think so. I think shortly after I was in that chapel, uh, I don't know why this sticks with me, but uh, I went out, and I think I was in the family room or a waiting area, and my, my Aunt Linda I don't know if it was the first time I'd seen her since I got back or, you know, since we flew down there. That's your dad's? Uh, be my sister. mom's older sister. Okay. Yeah. Um, she 
I mean, you know, it was fairly emotional, but she just said, I just don't know how you, how you do this. Yeah. And it hit me right there. I, I don't have a choice. Yeah. Like, but as a husband and a dad and a son. Like, yeah. You have to go through it. I have you, no choice. Like You got to do it. Yeah. There, there was no, like, there was no option. That's right. <laughs> so, go back to options. Yeah. There's no option. There is no option. So you just, you persevere. Yeah. You know, and we haven't been through anything remotely close to that, but there was a season of life in 2012 for us that was dicey. And people were looking and going, I don't know how you do this. And it, I mean, it, it, it was nothing compared to what you mm. just described. But, but for Jen and I, it was like, it must look worse from people looking in from the outside than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Like what you're going through is terrible. But did you also sense that like, I can get up in the morning. Yeah. I can do this yeah. the next day. And it, I mean, it's gotta be, I, I have no idea what that's like in, in your case, but there, there's a certain amount of like, I don't know if the Lord protects us to a degree from how horrible it is mm-hmm. or gives us the ability or the stamina to not see it for how horrible it is or well, I don't know what. I think the, for me, and, and I guess I can't speak for anybody else, but it's having purpose. Yeah. That, you know, there was a, a, that purpose at that point in my life was to take care of my family. Yeah. Um, how whatever whatever that took that was the purpose yeah let's tie up the loose ends on your wife's cancer Mm -hmm. like so she didn't get killed by the chemo nope she survived in fact they told us to expect chemo for six to eight months and uh she was able to be done in i think three uh she wow um yeah uh, and then she didn't have to do radiation um but you know the the basic gist was as long as she did not get pregnant again the you know the odds of her getting the chemo or the the cancer back were slim, mm-hmm. and they could never give us a definitive answer as to whether you know if she did get pregnant again if mm-hmm. which uh, is why you have one kid that's why we have one child um you know we we've talked a lot about it, but it always came back to it, it we love Sydney, we wouldn't trade her for nothing, but the whole first year was not you know we don't have that enjoyable, yeah. Um, cause she had cancer and you're fighting that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's literally Jackie will tell you when she, when she hears little baby toys, the sound that baby toys make, or, you know, the, 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 when they lay under the deal and they pull and yeah, when she hears those sounds, she just instantly goes back to like laying, PTSD laying in a bed yeah. hurting and, and, oh, you know, and that's so, something. So yeah, it, it was just, that wasn't an option. Um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, uh, one of the ways that we've dealt with it is by continuing to help, you know, coach, open our home and, and our arena to. You had a lot of kids, yeah, right? Let, yeah. yeah. Kind of, you know. That's cool. We talk on the podcast. There's a lot of things in scripture, you know, that relate to how we should raise our kids. There's a lot of people who don't have kids. Mm-hmm. So how do you apply that? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, go find a kid. Right. I mean, there's plenty of kids that need an adult in their life who's going to pass the faith on to them or do whatever needs to be done. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I mean, you've got a kid and mm-hmm. you're doing that with other kids. Yeah. So um, your mom and dad's accident. So as I remember the story, the the part, I, I mean, I can't imagine finding out being 24 hours from home. I don't remember what Amy's story was or where she was at, but similar. I mean, just shock out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but to me, the part that I've 
wondered about what would this have been like was when your dad is coming out of a coma. Maybe did he even know that he'd been in an accident? Did he know why he was in He probably didn't know why he was in a hospital. Oh, because you've been here for three weeks. And, oh, by the way, mom died. And yeah. we had her funeral and you weren't there. And here's the program. I remember your mom or Amy talked about bringing a, a funeral program yeah. to the hospital. Yeah. I mean, are you comfortable talking about any of that? Yeah, what, no, what, no. What's yeah. that like? Um, well, it, it just, we didn't know. Like, you know, we kept talking. Do we? He, he comes out of a coma. Uh, they move him to the just the general hospital out of ICU, um, and, and we kept like, do we? You know, he he hadn't asked about mom. So he, for how long? Uh, it was a few days. He did not ask. Do, and you, I, do you think? I, I looking back on it now and visiting with him, he knew. He just didn't want to know. Yeah, kind of a deal. Uh, so and, he had the cognitive ability to realize she wasn't there. He yeah. Wow. And finally one day. And we never brought it up. We decided we were going to let him bring it up. And uh, I was not there. Amy was there in the hospital with him that day. And he finally said, uh, I think I know. I, I don't remember exactly how it went. Some, I think I know the answer to this, but where's mom? Hmm. And so she had this program. Yeah. Brought, kind of walked through the whole deal. Yeah. He did. Uh, uh, once we got home, uh, and I don't think... I think this was on Amy. She she got him to watch the the funeral was videotaped. Oh wow! And we did get 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 him to watch that. And that did I think brought some closure. Yeah. To the whole situation. I mean, you hear about this happening. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, where there's an accident or there's some tragedy or cataclysmic event or something, and loved ones aren't there for the the funeral or any of that stuff and just like mm-hmm. but i i don't know that i've known anyone like like i've known you and your sister who've walked that firsthand you're going to tell a story of your dad's jaw like why it was the oh. way <laughs> well yeah so <laughs> i made a note of that so yeah they they really like they struggled they almost lost him because they couldn't get a tube down him to get oxygen into him or air you know mm-hmm. so you breathe um in doing that, and I don't know if it was when they finally got him intubated in the ICU or if it was because he laid in a coma with a tube down his throat for three weeks on mm-hmm. a ventilator. But, uh, and you met him the other day, he talks kind of with a rasp. Oh, He's yeah. Right. And that's what it ended up doing. I thought he was just trying to be a tough guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's... <laughs> He'll probably listen to this and be like, who's this clown? <laughs> <laughs> it, it paralyzed the, and I. Again, I'm not going to remember the the actual medical term for it, but the the in your esophagus, there's these flappers in there that keep food from going down your windpipe. Yeah, yeah. And so when you I breathe, like how you describe it better than <laughs> yeah. the medical term. <laughs> when you breathe in, it opens up. When you breathe out, it opens up, but then it closes. Well, yeah. Uh, some somewhere in that three week time, uh, they got kind of paralyzed, and so the problem was they wouldn't open enough when he would breathe. He couldn't get enough oxygen, so he struggled breathing after the accident. Oh, wow. So the fix for that is they go in and they laser it out. Okay. But there's really no, you don't know how much to take. Like there's no, it's not a science. Right. It's more of an art. And so, okay, we'll go in, we'll take some out. If we don't take enough, we'll go back in, we'll take a little bit more out, but we don't want to take too much out. Because you can't put it back. Because then, yeah, you can't put it back. (laughs) Yeah. And so 
they, uh, I take him, I think we were still living down there and I took him in for surgery and, uh, you know, the, the, everything goes normal. He goes in for surgery, comes out and, the the anesthesiologist comes up and, and says to me, we almost lost him just taking him into surgery. And I was like, what? And he's like, I could not get him intubated. And said it's the way his jaw lines up with his throat and everything the angle we could not get a tube down to to get oxygen to him and we had already you know started the anesthesia process and so they've only got so long to get that tube in yeah and so he it scared him enough that dad now actually wears a bracelet to dni do not intubate oh yeah um and and so of course, they did not take enough out when they lasered out uh, in the esophagus, so they had to go through the process again. Um, and to show you how tough he is, they didn't say anything. They wheeled him back into the surgery room, and they got back in. I, uh, I, I took him down there again. I think I was back from uh, North Dakota for Easter or something, and, and he had that scheduled for that time frame. Mm-hmm. And I remember being in the last room where I could be with him, and the anesthesiologist comes in and says, so last time uh, didn't go very good. Um, we're not going to do that again. And Dad says, what do you mean? He's like, we're going to tube you first and then give you anesthesia. Oh, my word. And they wheeled him, and I could just see his face get white as a sheet, and they wheeled him out. And, and when he was in the recovery room, he, he says, and, and I mean, very softly, come here, come here, find that anesthesiologist. And so I do, and I will not repeat what he said to that anesthesiologist, but it was never again. Um, yeah. And like so, you're not tubing me without anesthesia ever no, again. No, no, they, they, he was wide awake and they stuck a tube down his throat. Oh my word. Yeah. That's rough. Uh, so there's more to this story, which this is really fascinating. Your aunt is now your stepmom. Yes. <laughs> and so your cousins are now your stepbrother and yeah. si- or your stepsisters. Step yeah. I just met them the other day when yeah. I crashed your Christmas. And all great people. But your mom had a sister, Mary Lou, mm-hmm. and uh, her husband passed away just after the uh, accident or before? Yeah, no, about six months later, he passed away of a heart attack. And so th- now your dad married your aunt. Yep. Talk through that. That's just fascinating. <laughs> Well, I was, yeah, I always have to explain that, uh, how that happened, but, um, it's totally legal and no, none yeah, of the 10 yeah, commandments yeah, were yeah, broken. Nothing, nothing was broken. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Mary Lou, uh, all, uh, how I could, you know, the other answer to the story, how you get through all that is we, we have an awesome family, uh, mm-hmm. great aunts, grandmas, um, uncles, cousins, a lot of, a very, very good support team. Mary Lou was really, really good uh, after mom's accident to come up and help Amy and myself out, uh, taking care of dad, taking care of just whatever. I mean, all, all of all of my family was. Of course. But uh, for whatever reason, Mary Lou, was would, she lived in Wichita, um, so that's where her and her husband had been for many years. So she would make a point to come up and just help out with whatever we needed. Um, after Darce died, uh, that's that, her husband. that would have been her husband. Yep. They, uh, you know, he took care of a lot of the finances. I think they had some rental property or a rental house that they rented out. And that was just kind of, you know, he took care of it. 
and uh, Mary Lou dad offered to go down and kind of help her square some of that away, figure out how it all worked. And yeah, just, uh, they became close and, and got married. And it was, so you and Amy, I mean, when you find out that this is going that direction, <laughs> are you like, what? Um, I, I, I don't know how anyone else took it. I, I, I thought it was great. I mean, yeah. I, 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 but you were surprised, weren't you? Or were you like, uh, really? No, I, I, yeah, I or would you say saw I was, it coming. I don't, wouldn't say I saw it coming. I was surprised, but, uh, I guess the way I was looked at it was I, I, I can't ever imagine waking up one day, find, finding out the woman you were married to for 30 years is gone. Yeah. And so all I care, I just wanted him to be happy, be happy. Of course. Yeah, I didn't I mean, wouldn't have cared how, how it happened, who it was with, just the fact that I mean, you might've cared if it was a crazy <laughs> situation. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, this is the best of both worlds. It didn't have to meet a new family. Um, yeah. You know, they, they, they passed all the tests. And, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's in a, 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 you know, it's been, it's been great. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you've been following the Daily Dose through Matthew, mm-hmm. do you remember when the Pharisees tried to trap him by marriage, about marriage in heaven? Yeah. And so if, if this guy dies yep. and then this guy dies... And, and the brother has the obligation to marry the wife. And, and there that are no deal. more brothers. Who's married to her in heaven? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like this is, I mean, <laughs> that was this hypothetical crazy thing that they launched, that they asked Jesus about. But this is like moving that direction. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's cool. I, I, I appreciated the answer for that, to find out that they, when we get there that. There's uh, no marriage. There's no marriage. Yeah. Which kind of freaks me out a little because, I mean, I'd like to have an exclusive yeah. special relationship with my wife. but yeah. But. Uh, the way that we get around that is just like the best of our best relationships is going to be like blown out of the water by everything in heaven. Mm-hmm. So you just trust that mm-hmm. it's going to be better than I can imagine. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to feel bad when I see Jen walking down the street with some dude talking about whatever, <laughs> and she's not going to feel bad. And there's pro- I doubt there's going to be anything like intimate-wise. Like yeah. we don't need to be fruitful and multiply up there. So <laughs> yeah. I had never really thought about that until I listened to that episode. Yeah. So Anyway, we digress. Um, I just think that one of the – you know, I said I wanted to originally bring you on here to talk about cowboy stuff because I'm fascinated by that, and I think there are people who might tune into this who would want to hear that who might not tune in for any other reason. Um, but as I've learned your story and thought about it leading up to this, I mean, you've been through some challenging things, and here you are, a normal dude, having a good life, thankful, blessed, smiling, laughing, having fun, when it seems like, man, walking that path would be a path that I would would I would want to avoid at all costs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, have you reflected on that? What do, you, what do you think all this has, a wife with cancer, special needs kid, which I don't even put that in the category of a bad thing, yeah. but I think people looking out, looking from the outside, would go, "Ooh, I don't know if I want to do that." So yeah, I hope you understand me yeah, on that. But and and then this accident thing. Go ahead. Well, I mean, to the listeners, don't don't pity us. Yeah. Uh, that that part of our life is the one part I would never ever ever give up. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But but what do you do? You view yourself as having walked a unique path in terms of hardship. Or do you just be like, eh, everyone's got hardship and it is what it is? Um, I, everyone's got hardship. I mean, I, I, I don't ever want to say that my path was harder than anyone else's. I, 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 I've never walked in anyone else's shoes. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what any other path would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you, I would, 
I'd give anything for one more day or conversation with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also wouldn't trade the path that I've walked. Yeah. Um, cause it's, it's what, you know, it's what made me. Right. You know? So I, I, yeah, I just, it, it, I don't, don't want to say it is what it is, but yeah, that's what it was. Right. It's just the, thank God I had purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a daughter to take care of. And so, yeah. Um, you talked about doing this kind of mentoring young people more. Mm-hmm. You're talking about maybe starting an online Bible study and, mm-hmm. and trying to be more intentional with kind of, you said you've done a good job of coaching people and cowboy stuff and maybe mentoring them in life and you want to kind of step up to the plate a little bit more on the spiritual side of things. I think that the path, well, this is true of any of us, the path that we've walked, God has brought into our lives to equip us so that we can have the impact that he has designed us to have with certain people who need that impact. Mm-hmm. Have you had any, been able to connect with anyone who, who's lost their parents, had tragic accidents, uh, special needs kid, wife with cancer? I mean, have, have you seen any of that play out in your life yet, or are you still looking for that? Um, small doses of it, yes, mm-hmm. but uh, most definitely still looking for it. I mean, I, 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 I have, you know as recently as this summer thought, you know, multiple times in the last several years that, you know, it feels like there's something more I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I would say that, that stepping out of my comfort zone and, uh, trying to mentor more on the spiritual side is, mm-hmm. is, is one of those things that I need to work on. Talk about what that looks like to you. I mean, you've got a couple ideas about what you might do. You talk yeah. to one of your guys. Yeah. We'd like to maybe start a, a Bible study for, you know, so, um, rodeo is a very, like, there are a lot of people involved in the rodeo world that, that are very close to God. In fact, if you, I, I would highly recommend finding a way to watch the 10th round of the national finals rodeo this year, this year, this tw- year, 2021, yep. 2021. So is the 10th round, the final round, Yep, it's final round. And I mean, watch it all. Cause it was, a, it was a great rodeo. Uh, but to watch the end when they present the world champions and, and I, I'll, I'll mess it up if I give you an exact number, six out of the eight world champions, five out of the eight, uh, when they gave them the microphone, they got to talk to the crowd. First thing they did was thank, you know, their Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. Um, you know, and, and that's, you, you go back to the opening of rodeo, you know, with the prayer, it's never asking to win. Yeah. You know, no one, no one wants to win. No one's asking God for help at being the best. Mm-hmm. They just thanking God for the opportunity to do this mm-hmm. and please, you know, look over us, mm-hmm. keep us, you know, help us to stay safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the steer wrestling world though, uh, we're big, well, I'm not, but they're big, tough, strong guys. Right. right. Um, and, and that's a vulnerability to, to open up and talk about some of these things. Do you think that's the same in all the rough stock? Um, it's, it's there like bull riders. Yeah. It's, it's, I would say it's harder. Um, there, you know, I know a lot of calf ropers that lead Bible studies and, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a lot of team ropers. There's a lot of guys that have ministries that revolve around team roping. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know that, you know, that's, I don't know what my path would look like, but it's something I feel like I need to do more of mm-hmm. just, you know, how can I help spread the word? Yeah. That's awesome. And honestly, I love that you said that. We're going to wrap this up. But 
that's really a question all of us should be asking. I mean, whatever our platform is, whatever our path is, even if I'm some retired, widowed guy, I'm thinking of one guy specifically who just lost his wife a few year, a few uh, months ago. He's been in my office talking a couple times, thinking like I still got some years in me and I still want to be productive. And so, you know, whether you're in that situation or in your situation or in my situation, we got to be asking, um, what can I do? to promote what really matters most, the truth of God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I commend you for that. Um, random question. You ever ridden a bronc or a bull? No. Nope. I've, uh, you ever been dared to? No. I have uh, fought bulls in practice pen at, at college. What's, what do you mean? The bullfighter that, that, you know, that protects the, when the bull rider oh, yeah. falls off. or It's know. like the, the clowns, we call them. Yeah, but they're yeah, not clowns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you don't yeah. like that term clown. It's a bullfighter. <laughs> I mean, when I say that I was not a bullfighter, but I have st- stood in the ring, uh, with a bull, um, and, and got their, diverted their attention away from the bull rider while they, you know, ran to the fence. Forget that stuff, right? Yeah. No, yeah. thanks. No, I didn't. The only reason I, I, uh, when I was in college at Fort Scott, I, I got roped into it one time on, I mean, these were old practice bulls. They were not mean. The job was pretty easy. Uh-huh. But when I was coaching, um, we, we bucked some bulls out one time and we did not have a bullfighter and these were not nice old practice bulls. These were pretty, <laughs> pretty ornery animals. And, uh, I guess I figured I, I if I was going to ask one of my students to jump in there, I probably ought to jump in there too. So <laughs> me and me and another guy that had never done it got in the arena and, that reminds me of another one of those sideshow things during the rodeo. Mm-hmm. What do they call it? Like poker or something? Bull po- poker, yeah. Bull poker. Yeah. Describe that. Uh, they'll put a card table <laughs> out in the middle of the arena, and four guys will sit on card chair, or, you know, folding chairs, and they turn a bull out, and basically the last guy still standing or sitting in his chair wins. It's probably usually a hundred bucks. Not again, not worth it. <laughs> totally not worth so it. So these guys are sitting at the table. The bull's running at them, and if they don't flinch, basically, yeah, they, and they dive they out of the, the way, they get the money. Yep. yep. Just insane. It's fun to watch. I yeah. would never, never do it. No. Yeah. Tyler, it's been great. Thanks for being with us on the CC podcast, and uh, yeah, God bless you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. The CC Podcast is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are 100% tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. 
see our episode notes for details and links. And remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you. And thanks again for listening.